Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Welcome, everyone, to our podcast for the sake of the child. My name is Susan Sellers. I'm the spouse of an active duty service member, parent of three military kids, master parent-to-parent educator, and now podcast host at the Military Child Education Coalition. Joining me today is Amanda Harris to discuss her experiences with homeschooling. Amanda Harris currently lives in North Carolina near Fort Bragg with her husband, Chris, of 15 years, and their four boys ranging in ages from 13 to 3. Being a military wife, they've had to move all over the world, and during the early years of their marriage, she's tried really hard to find a new job at each duty station. But as time passed from teaching at elementary and high school levels and even being a college professor, more children were added to their ever-growing family. She slowly transitioned from being a working mom to a stay-at-home mom. About five years ago, they decided to take their oldest from a traditional school setting and start homeschooling. This year, she has a seventh grader, a fourth grader, a kindergartner, and a preschooler. Amanda, thank you so much for being here today. Susan, thank you so much. I'm super excited to have this opportunity to share with you guys our journey as far as homeschooling goes. Well, there really seems to be an increase in military families choosing to homeschool their kids. I know the statistic used to be about 6% of families uh, being homeschooled in the military. Now that number has grown. It's actually doubled up to 12%. Would you share with our listeners what prompted you and your family to consider this route? Well, that's a huge jump. I didn't realize it had, there was such an increase in this change in lifestyle. If you had asked me eight years ago, if I'd ever consider homeschooling, I would have just, I would have told you straight up, no way. This is not for me. This is not for our family. I, I'm definitely not a homeschooling mom. But the crazy thing was is that I was drawn to these families who homeschooled. Like I always end up being surrounded by other moms who homeschooled and I'd see their families and the way they interacted with each other, I just, I loved it. Like they just seemed to get along better. And I know they fought and had their, their, things that happen, but they just still seem to, they just seem to have worked better as as a team. And in the back of my head, though, I still had a lot of limiting beliefs. And I kept saying, there's just no way. I can't do it. I need my own time, my own space, my kids. And I don't get along that well. Like, we would just argue and butt heads. Like, just this isn't going to happen. And then about five years ago, I was sitting in a coffee shop. My husband was deployed. And I had a, a second grader, a preschooler. He was in like four-year-old pre-K and a a baby, maybe nine or 10 months. I'm not sure exactly how old the littlest one was. And I was sitting in the coffee shop with my friend who was a homeschooling mom and I was telling her how just tired I felt, just how exhausted I was from the everyday go, 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 just of getting all the kids out the door to all of, you know, just this school drop off and that drop off and you know, waking up the baby at nap time to go pick up kids from pick up, pick up, and then rushing to get home to do 
school and prep dinner with a fussy baby and activities and doing it all by myself and feeling like I just wasn't stopping, that there was no free time at all in our schedule for anybody, for myself, for my kids. And I was just like at a point where I'm like, I needed a change. I needed something different. And as we were sitting there and I was sharing this with her, she shared with me that's exactly how she felt before she started homeschooling. And she also had three children and she'd been homeschooling for a few years at this point. And she shared how relaxed their schedule was. Even though they were busy with doing school all day, they were still on their own time and they were in charge of their own schedule. And I was just like, oh my gosh. You know, I've always been on the fence. I've always said, no, I couldn't do it, but maybe this is the change that I need. Maybe this is what we need in our family because at that moment I felt like a drill sergeant. It was just all day, go, 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 go. And there was just never a moment to just take a breath and to just be with my family and to just enjoy my kids. And, And I also noticed that my kids didn't have any time to just be kids either because of just the nature of going and being in a classroom all day and then coming home and kind of just doing the normal routine of bedtime and, and you know, dinner and bedtime. And so I, I just, at that moment, that was when I decided, like, we need to make a change. So I, I reached out to a few of my closest people. Um, you know, my husband was one of them, obviously, and then my mom and, like, a really close friend of mine. And I was hoping that when I reached out to them, they would tell me that I was crazy, that there was no way that I was going to be able to do this, that it was just the most ridiculous idea I've ever had. That's kind of what I think I was hoping. But I also knew they would give me a very honest answer. So I reached out to everyone. I sent my husband an email, and it was like something along the lines of, I think we need to start homeschooling. And that was pretty much it. So I was just like, what, what kind of response is he going to get while he's, you know, downrange? And like, or what kind of response is he going to give me? And everybody came back with just yeses. They just said, you know, I think you're right. I think that I would support you 100%. I think that you have a valid point. Like, yeah, go for it. So then I thought, well, I guess this is it. I guess we're gonna, I guess we're gonna make this change. So that's that's cool. how we got to where we are now. Well, and I know a lot of uh, our listeners can certainly identify with that, always rushing, feeling like you're a drill sergeant because you're just like, go, 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 go all the time. And um, you had shared with me um, when we we were planning to do this podcast, though, that you had also noticed some other things um, with the education um, not being consonant and talking a little bit about your older son and what you were starting to see with him. Can you share with our listeners um, some of those issues that kind of were the tipping point for you? Yeah, so at that time, um, my oldest was almost, he's like the middle of second grade. And we had moved, um, we moved a lot up to that point, just normal military life, right? Um, So he went to multiple, multiple different types of preschools, and we had made a big transition from, Germany back to the United States while he was in the middle of first grade. And even though he was in such a young grade, we were already seeing gaps in his education from the different curriculums that were being used with, you know, DOD schools versus, you know, a a state public school system, you know, and it doesn't matter whether it's a public or private or anything. It's just no matter where you live, everybody's following a slightly different curriculum and different objectives are introduced at different times 
and in different grades, depending on where you live. So with the movement of a military lifestyle, there's just going to be gaps in education. And sometimes those gaps can be self-corrected and the kids pick it up and they move on. And other times you have to get tutors, you have to back up, or maybe they have to go back a grade. Who knows what the situation may be, but there's definitely there's definitely starting to be gaps. And we started to see that um, just with the one big move during elementary school and not knowing what the future held for us as far as the military goes and, and what moves we potentially could have in the future. And with the lifestyle of just always being, always changing, I felt like my kids needed something that was more constant and that with homeschooling, I could provide them a curriculum that was constant and I could make sure that we weren't having gaps in our learning. Um, The other thing that we noticed, and, and we were always kind of on the fence as far as whether or not my oldest had ADHD, um, he showed signs. He was just a very active child, and but he was very smart. So in kindergarten, he was able to kind of his his natural intelligence just kind of offset the ADHD that we were seeing, and it wasn't a problem. And it didn't really start to kind of become a, a problem until second grade, and it was more along the lines of just like kind of the interacting with his peers and you know learning just following the simple procedure of you know, you take out your school or your homework and you put it in this basket and you hang your backpack up and all of those things that they were doing every single day for half of the school year so far, he still was having a hard time following it. And so at that point, we decided that we need to get some medical help because what we were doing, controlling his diet and all that other stuff, wasn't working. So we started him on ADHD medicine and we saw an immediate change. Um, and this even involved his interaction with his peers. He wasn't so impulsive with with them, and they wanted to play with him now. Like, and so it just there was a, just a better just overall across the board. And honestly, whether or not he had ADHD or didn't have ADHD wouldn't have changed our decision to homeschool. Um, it was just one of those things that we kind of discovered while we were there. And and it was nice in some ways to kind of have the school to help us with the evaluation, you know, because I did my evaluation and they do their evaluation. So that was good because it wasn't just my report. You know, they were seeing the same things at at school. Uh, And we've, you know, we know other homeschool families who have chosen to homeschool so that they wouldn't have to use medication. And we've tried not using medication, but it's not something that works well for our family. Like he definitely needs it to stay focused. That happened, but I wouldn't say that that was part of, that was not a exciting factor as to why we chose to homeschool. I noticed with, when I was observing my other friends, you know, years before, when I always said I couldn't homeschool, I noticed that their children always seemed to get along really well, for the most part. You know, they just, they interacted well. They helped each other out. They, they, they were just like a big, they were a team. They weren't a family of individuals. They were a team. And as a military family, I, I feel like there's this there's a necessity to be a team and a unit versus a family of individuals in the sense that we need to be there for each other because when we move to different locations, we don't always know anybody. And so we need to have in the, in the support within our own family to help us adjust to that new move. And I was noticing that my second grader would come home after being at school all day and then 
not seeing the four-year-old who really wanted to play with his big brother, he there was no relationship between the second grader and the four-year-old. And there was no time to even foster that relationship because he was at school all day. And then we were busy with after-school activities. And at that point, he's tired. And he's been involved in a very, you know, highly stimulated environment all day. Then he wanted some downtime or he just wanted to go outside and maybe play with the other kids that he knew from school. But he wanted nothing to do with his brother. And I was seeing that kind of start to get worse and worse. And, and that was another kind of big deciding factor for us. It's like I want my children to develop relationships with each other and I want them to grow together and work, learn how to work together and, you know, with um, different, you know, in a, as a team. And I couldn't do that when they were away from the house for six to eight hours a day. No, I think those are all very valid concerns that a lot of families um, experience, whether they're military or they're not military connected. So I guess the, the next follow-up question I would have, especially for our listeners, you know, we mentioned in your bio you have an educational background. So, you know, our listeners may think, oh, well, this was easy um, for you. But how did you prepare to transition from the traditional school path to homeschooling? So yeah, I do have a, I do have a background in education, and I would say that that's helpful. But I wouldn't say it's it's definitely not a requirement. And I honestly don't even know if it really made that huge of an impact in my ability to homeschool. Because when you go and get your degree in education, you're really taught how to manage a classroom and how to teach in a classroom setting. Um, and and there's definitely skills and resources you can use to help you know, your own home classroom. But there's still such an unknown because now you essentially are, you're the one who's kind of in charge of whether or not your child learns, right? There's nobody else there. You're not answering to a principal. You're not answering to the school system. You're not, you, all of that kind of gets put onto you. And that was really scary for me at the beginning. I thought, oh my, oh my gosh, like if I don't teach my children well, how are they going to get into college or, you know, how are they going to survive high school or college if we, you know, if we go to high, the high school route? Like, I don't know if – that was a, a huge limiting belief was I don't know if I can do this. There's so many resources and so many different types of curriculum to choose from and textbooks that those um, – having that many options is overwhelming just in, in, to begin with. Like, I don't even know what – What's the best science program? What's the best math program? So what I ended up doing is I started talking to my friends who I knew had been homeschooling for a while. I said, I need some help. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to begin. And one of the things that came along with our decision to homeschool was that, well, if I'm going to homeschool my kids and I'm going to be at home and I get to control kind of what they're learning, why not add in our faith with it? So when I started asking our friends, I asked our friends that have the same you know, beliefs as us, and I asked them what, what curriculums are available that also foster our, our faith and, and you know, help be able to include that in our family everyday life. And so with that, there were a couple different options, and there were very different styles of teaching. So my one of my mentors said, you know, here's a personality test that you should take to see, you know, what 
style is going to be the best for you and your family. And and you've got your like kind of a traditional like school style. Um, I would say it's very much like you know, worksheets, and just very much like if you're going to a traditional school. And then you have a classical style, which includes you know your classic classic novels, um, classical music, art history, and you know, um, and, and Latin. And then there's like an unschooling kind of a very flexible style of teaching that utilizes a lot of the everyday experiences and you kind of use that to create your learning environment. So I took the test and I I knew that I didn't have a super, super strict schedule, but I definitely wasn't super relaxed. I needed a little bit of structure, so I went with the classical style. That was what I chose. But there's so many options and there's no wrong one to choose. Um, it's really what is best for your family. And I also needed something that was already designed. I didn't want to create my own curriculum, which a lot of homeschooling moms love doing that. They just that's part of the homeschooling process that they just really enjoy and they get to get creative with it and they just they eat it up. And for me with Chris being gone so much and and having the three boys, I felt like I didn't have the mental ability, the mental capacity to make all of those decisions for our family. I, I kind of, I've always been a recipe follower. I can cook up young, super wonderful meals, but I have to follow a recipe. And so I needed something, a curriculum that would give me that recipe to follow. And so that's what I was able to find. And there's so many out there. Um, and different ones are, you know, very much, they're very online. So there's there's programs that maybe you don't feel confident in your ability to teach Maybe you really don't think you have enough education behind you to be successful and making sure your children are ready to go off to college. Or maybe you are busy and you, you work from home and you, you aren't sure how you're going to manage how, you know, all of the face-to-face teaching that would go on and, you know, maybe at home. So there's a lot of online options. Secular, Christian, different domains, there's a whole bunch available. And the students basically log in and take online classes. And the parent is a facilitator, making sure that they get their classwork done outside of the class and submitted online so that the teachers can grade those um, assignments. And so it takes a lot of pressure off the parent. I wanted to be more face-to-face with the kids. So I didn't go that route. But my children do take online Latin classes because I don't have a background in Latin. I never took it growing up. And I knew that that would be an area that would be a struggle for me um, with it being part of their our curriculum. So starting in uh, fourth grade, they begin taking Latin classes online. And I, I, I facilitate it. I um, help them with their assignments throughout the week. And I have an answer key. And so that's, <laughs> we have answer keys for all of the books. So that also helps to make sure that, you know, they're giving the right answer and, if they didn't, you can kind of flip back and say, you know, look through and maybe some of the stuff now you can kind of figure out. So that helped take some of the pressure off of, I'm not sure if I'm smart enough to teach my kids. Um, and so that was, the, that was the route that we took. And with my son being kind of halfway through second grade, I still had a few more months until he finished school. And I'm not one to just stop midway through something. I'm very much like, let's close this chapter and then we'll open up our new chapter. So 
I knew we were going to just finish up second grade before we ever ventured into the homeschooling. And that gave me a lot of time to kind of plan and prep and figure out what curriculum we were going to use and to chat with the other moms to get ideas. So in your prep, I'm curious, how did you find out about local state requirements for homeschooling and testing? And how did you handle testing once you transitioned into homeschooling? So I, again, was kind of chatting with the moms in our area. You know, they would inform me that there are certain things you have to do. This is, you know, you you need to go onto the State Department website for education and register your family as a homeschooling family. And every every state is different and has different requirements. And in that in, in their in the education, the State Department education website, I re- really think I use Google. Like. We live in North Carolina, so I was like, North Carolina homeschool regulations in, in Google, and then stuff popped up. Um, but then I went to that website, and you, it tells you what's required. So for us, we had to pick a, a homeschool name. Um, so we chose a name for our homeschool. If your child was older than five, if you had anybody in your homeschool that was older than five, that's when you had to register your, your family. Um, and then once you register your family, you don't have to register anybody else. You just have to have the family registered. And then they'll tell you there's a requirement for the number of days that your school must meet. And you have to kind of keep an attendance record of the number of days that you're going to school. And there's different requirements, you know, for what counts as a day. And that's all found online. And then each state has a requirement as far as testing goes. Um, our state just says that you must administer a standardized test and and believe you have to administer it once they turn seven. So you don't have to start when they're in like first grade or anything like that. So we waited till my second child was in second grade before we administered his first standardized test. And they let us choose whichever one we want. So there are lots of different options. There's on completely online tests, and there are this, like, maybe you grew up in the time where you used the Iowa or the ITBS, which is what I grew up using, and I recognized it, and I also admitted had administered it before. So I went with that test, and just because I felt there was some familiarity to it, I liked not having to have, like, necessarily a time constraint. Like, with the online test, I tell you, you must administer it on, on these three days. And with little children in the house, I needed to be able to fit in our testing while the little children were, you know, either at a daycare center or a preschool so that it would be quiet in the house. Uh, so how, one of the things I loved about with homeschooling is I didn't have to spend a, lots of time doing test prep. I went over what we were going to do. I showed them how to fill in a circle. And I told them that they were going to answer questions and there were going to be multiple choice answers and I had to choose the best one that worked. And then I took the test. And we were able to spread the test out amongst, I think we took, it takes about, we usually do it over two weeks. And we follow the time constraints that are set aside for each section. But I don't have them test all day long because there's not a lot of benefit for them taking tests all day because by the end of the third or fourth section, they're just exhausted anyways. So... You do a couple of tests a day, and again, that's one of the benefits of homeschooling is that you have that flexibility with their schedule and being able to accommodate the workload for them. 
Well, I definitely think that can be a, a big advantage, as you mentioned, that you have all day to, to work through tests or, or any challenges that you might be experiencing with the curriculum. What would you say during your first year, what would be some of your other big takeaways that you would like to share? So the first year, you know, Dave, I was definitely a challenge, and, and we were prepared for that. We were, I was told multiple times that, the first year of homeschooling is is hard. Uh, it's an adjustment for the um, the parents and the family, and it's also an adjustment for the child, especially if the child was in a traditional school setting and now you've brought them home. So having to um, having mom as a teacher and and realizing that it's not playtime all the time. So to get through that, we just had to adjust some of our work schedules and um, allow them to have that movement and that play built in. Uh, I also, you know, a lot of the one of the comments that I get often from moms are, you know, my kids won't listen to me. There's no way I, I can't. I can barely get them to do their homework. How am I going to homeschool them all day long? And I told, I get it. I, I've been there. I've been there at 4 o'clock or 5 o'clock in the afternoon and my second grader didn't want to do his math or his spelling words or whatever the assignment was, throwing the fit while the baby's also crying and throwing the fit and I'm trying to cook dinner and we're also thinking about, well, we've got this activity that we're supposed to go to. How am I supposed to get all of this done in a short amount of time and it would stress me out because nobody wanted to do what they wanted to do. And Chris would be the polite, so I'm doing it all by myself. And I didn't have any time for anybody to kind of process what was going on, to maybe just take a moment and go build a Lego castle or something, and then let's come back and do our homework. There wasn't that kind of time because we had places to go, and I had to cook dinner, and I had other kids to take care of. So... I definitely had those struggles, and I still do, and I, I don't have them as frequently as I did in this, the, that first year where, he, you know, my oldest would say, I don't want to do my math assignment today, or I don't want to write that paragraph. And that was at 10 o'clock in the morning. So I had a lot of time throughout the day to work around it, and a lot of times, you know, we would, I would say, well, I'm going to give you a 15-minute break. Why don't you go outside and jump on a trampoline, and then we're going to come back in, and we're going to do our, our math. Or, you know, why don't you go, you know, what, what would you, what could you, what would you rather do right now? And you can do that for the next, you know, set amount of time. And then we're going to come back and we're going to do this assignment. I had that time built in. And I didn't have that time built in in the afternoon. So it made the day a little bit smoother. I also learned that I needed to use incentives. Every kid works well with incentives. And so having to, you know, figuring out what, what would what incentive worked best for my kids um, was the hardest part, and I realized pretty quickly that they enjoy having a little bit of time on the Xbox or watching a favorite show on TV. So I would reserve that for the end of the day, as long as they completed all of their schoolwork and their chores. Then they could have that 30 or 45 minutes of time. But if they didn't, it didn't happen. It didn't matter, and if they didn't complete it by a certain time. So we do have, I do want a kind of a schedule as far as our homeschool day goes. And we pretty much start about 9.30 most days, between 9.15 and 9.30. The bulk of my teacher-directed 
schooling is finished by lunch, and then anything independent, they work on in the afternoon. But by about 2 o'clock, they're expected to be finished with school. And so if they're not done with their assignments by 2 o'clock, then they've forfeited their opportunity to have that time on the Xbox or to watch their favorite show. And that has helped with time management skills. So, I've, you know, now we're, you know, and not everybody runs their homeschool that way. That's just how I've needed to do it to make sure that we could do the other things that we need to do in the afternoon. So I wasn't trying to cook dinner and still homeschool because I have to now be the mom. Like, I have to now transition. We have other things to do today. Homeschooling is finished. We're done. Um, and so we were able to start to include some of this, you know, working on time management. And what I love about our program is the boys get a checklist. Every, every week I print off a checklist for the day, um, for the, you know, five days of the week, and it says what is expected for every single subject area, and, you, know, tell, you know, what page they have to do, you know, what problems they have to work on. And I use it for myself. It's super helpful if there's any distractions. I, you know, I know where we are throughout the day. I can kind of just check it off as I go. Well, my seventh grader is now to the point where he knows he has a checklist because we've been doing this for five years now. And he takes his checklist and he goes through all of the work that he can do independently. And then when I need him, when I'm finished with my fourth grader or my kindergartner, I can go to him and say, okay, let's go over your math assignment now. And so we'll go over his math assignment, and then he can go and work on that independently. And then I just follow up with him at the end of the day, and I go over the questions that he had for the different subject areas, you know, kind of assessing his his knowledge and understanding and making sure that he's, you know, doing the work and not just telling you that he's doing the work. And to me, this is a huge skill that is going to benefit him in the future, uh, you know, especially going into, you know, college or even high school, you know, depending on what our decision is for that. Absolutely. So, Amanda, you know, one of the biggest concerns I'm sure you hear um, when you share with others that your homeschooling is um, socialization for, for the child. How have you handled that potential challenge? Yes, socialization is definitely one of the number one concerns that I, I get asked about when I share that we homeschool. And I'll be, I'm going to be real and honest with you. There are positive and negative forms of socialization that all children are exposed to when they're in a traditional school setting. And with homeschooling, I'm able to kind of limit the negative forms of socialization and, and really allow them to just have mostly positive forms. And so what do I mean by positive forms? Like we are, you know, we, we do a lot of things in the community. We volunteer at the food bank. So there's opportunities to talk face-to-face with other adults as well and, and sometimes other children. But mostly this is an adult conversation, so they're looking at people in the eye and they're, they're having good conversation and showing respect and being polite when we're out and about and, and running errands and going to the grocery store and that kind of stuff. Um, we also are involved in a co-op, and there's lots of different co-ops that are usually found in most locations. The bigger the city, usually the more opportunities there are for different co-ops. Smaller cities, they're just maybe smaller co-ops or they're harder to find. Um, but you can make your own co-op by just getting together with a couple of moms who also homeschool and creating 
that opportunity. So what I like about the co-op is that not only do you get to do field trips with these other families, some co-ops also have a classroom aspect to it. And I feel like when people talk about socialization, they are concerned that a child who's homeschooled isn't going to understand how to act in, say, a school setting, which also applies to, like, the workforce. So there's, you know, these norms that you, you have to abide by and, and when you go to school and when you go to work and, you know, making sure you raise your hand, uh, you don't talk when other people are talking, you walk quietly down the hallway, um, you know, you don't get up and use the bathroom whenever you feel like getting up and using the bathroom. You have to wait until it's the right time to do that. And these are things that can be accomplished in a co-op setting. And they also get to work together with other peers doing um, team-building activities or group work activities, uh, sharing ideas and thoughts, and having to be respectful to another person whose ideas or thoughts maybe don't align with their ideas and thoughts. So learning just that, how to interact with others. Um, and so co-ops are a great place for that. And we, you, know, you can do a co-op every week. You can do it every other week. It really depends on your schedule and what works best for you. You can also get involved in lots of different activities. I mean, there's so many different places to where your child is getting socialized. So maybe they are you know, in, in Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts or you have youth group at school or, you know, Sunday school and or different extracurricular activities, whether it be gymnastics or dance or soccer, baseball, or in my case, our kids play hockey. So we're, you know, they spend multiple nights a week and on the weekend surrounded by their, their, their teammates who are kids of their same age. They're all, um, it would be like being in a classroom setting with a bunch of boys, basically. Um, and, and to me, that kind of helps keep them in the loop with kids who are not just homeschooled. So now they're exposed to different thoughts and ideas, um, and they are also kind of exposed to what's current right now. And sometimes that's bad exposure, right? Sometimes I don't really want them to know what the latest, greatest video game is or the the new slang terms or this, that, or the other, it brings up opportunities to discuss that with them. Uh, so that would, you know, could be an opportunity that's maybe more of a negative socialization. But I don't want my kids to be isolated either. You know, they have to experience different things so that we can have conversations and so that they're, they more easily fit in with everybody else. Because I guess sometimes that's the fear of socialization is that, a child who's homeschooled doesn't fit in, so they, they appear to be awkward. And I, I think that now the way – I wouldn't say that homeschooling is becoming more normal. I would say it's becoming just more common. Like you just hear more people are going to homeschool. But because of that, there's just a lot of different places to go to have your child interacting with other kids of their, you know, their peers and to interact with adults. And I think – you know, one of the benefits of homeschooling is that I can take my kids, I can give my kids opportunities to, like, go volunteer in a nursing home or to go to the food the food bank and volunteer during the school hours. And that's, again, a different form of socialization that they wouldn't get necessarily 
in a public school or a, a traditional school setting all the time. You know, we could do this, you know, once a month or however often you wanted to be able to fit it into your, your daily routine. Hey everyone, this is Tara, the producer. I wanted to thank you all so much for joining in on this podcast today. This is part one in a series on homeschool, so make sure to join us back next week to hear even more about homeschool education. I also wanted to let you know about some webinars in our Parents Parent program that there was one called Homeschooling in the Military Family, and that recording can be found on our website at www.militarychild.org backslash webinars, and you just click on School Success in the it's homeschooling in the military family. And you can join for a live webinar coming up with the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, HSLDA. And you heard Amanda talk about that in the podcast. And that's coming up on March 25th at 12 Eastern Standard Time. And you can register for that by clicking down in the show notes or going to militarychild.org backslash webinars. You can click on Homeschool Laws webinar and you can sign up right there. So thank you all for joining us and make sure to come back next week. Have a wonderful week. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast for the sake of the child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.